broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Chattanooga, Tennessee, it's time for Chattanooga Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Hello and welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Chattanooga Business Radio. I'm your host today, Ryan McPherson, and I'm thrilled to be broadcasting from the beautiful Hamilton County Business Development Center here on the North Shore of downtown Chattanooga. We have a very interesting and thought-provoking guest in studio here today, but before we get to her, uh, we will remind you to make sure you are following us on social media, Twitter, at Business Radio X, and today we're using the hashtag Chattanooga Business Radio. You can follow me personally, uh, at Ryan Redhawk, and all tweets and comments are welcome there. Also, go to our Facebook page and interact with us, leave your comments and thoughts, and you will be able to see all the photographs of our in-studio guest here today on Chattanooga Business Radio. And now, it's my distinct pleasure to welcome to Chattanooga Business Radio, Erica Newman. How are you doing, Erica? Good. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. You are the CEO of the Speech and Hearing Center here in Chattanooga, right? That's right. And how long have you been with the company? I'm super new. I just started in August. Okay. And I've been familiar with the organization for probably the last five years, but in terms of working there and actually being involved in programming just since August. So since August, you've been the CEO of the Speech and Hearing Center. Prior to that, what were you doing? What was your background? Well, I started off in TV, so this is a familiar uh, feeling for me with the mics and all the headsets. I was a news reporter, which is what landed me in Chattanooga. And from there, I went into healthcare marketing and nonprofit and for-profit. So some background in PT and in um, physical therapy and speech as well on top of the mainstream primary healthcare field. And I do have a connection to speech and hearing because of my sister being deaf. So I've been involved with the organization and other groups in town for several years. Yeah. So it resonates your younger sister, uh, older sister. Older sister. Yes. So you grew up with her exactly uh, right. dealing with that. So do you, you knew sign language probably at a very mm-hmm. early age. From birth. Yes. Yeah. And uh, able to communicate there. So um, certainly that uh, part of life resonates with Erica, but you have a TV background as well. So I guess uh, some of our listeners could go to YouTube and see some of your old news clips if they want to. Or bloopers, whichever. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So uh, you can go find her there. But that's very, very interesting what you're doing now with the Speech and Hearing Center. So let's get into what they do and and kind of how are you helping the community? Great. Yeah. It's wonderful to go out in the community because people do ask that quite a bit. Um, We've been around since 1953. And it's a little bit heartbreaking because there are so many nonprofits in town and we're sort of one of the best kept secrets. So Mm. in some ways I go out and I speak to like other moms, maybe a little bit older than me, and they say, oh, the Speech and Hearing Center haven't thought about you in years. You know, I used to take my son Bobby there and he had articulation issues and we saw Carla for two or three months and he did great. And now he's, um, you know, a doctor. So I do hear that quite a bit. And I'll talk about that in a little bit, which prompted this awareness campaign that we've been doing. But there are so many people that I meet that haven't even heard of us. Um, We've been on Holtzclaw for the last 25 years, right around the corner from Erlanger, and been doing a lot in the community for advocacy for people with hearing loss and communication disorders. And um, maybe it's not something that everybody's thought about in their lifetime, but it does affect most families, especially um, the elderly population with hearing loss, and we do focus a lot on children as well. And, but you're well known in the Chattanooga community, like you say, go back many generations, oh, yeah. and people uh, um, come and see you there at the Speech and Hearing Center. So you're helping kids uh, develop spe- uh, better speech and overcome some some deficiencies. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. 
We're pretty comprehensive because we do have a full an audiologist. And so if a child, well, we kind of start at the beginning. We're in the hospitals in Park Ridge East. So if somebody has a baby, and well, everybody that has a baby, mm-hmm. the state mandates that they're tested for hearing within the first 24 hours of their How life. How do they do typically. that? There's, um, some, <laughs> they're sort of like stickers and they have all kinds of different... Um, kind of devices. We have all kinds of different testing and I won't get into the technology yeah. of it, but it uses the brain response. So it's, there's no, obviously the child oh, isn't responding. I see. They talk about brain waves and exactly. function that way, as opposed to actually clapping over right. here to see if the baby turns their <laughs> to head. To see if a newborn, yeah, right. right. Newborns don't respond in that way typically. So um, you're just measuring whether the brain is receiving the sound. So if you find that the, uh, the child is hearing deficient, you can then begin a treatment or, uh, you know, right away. Right away, if a child fails in the hospital, they are usually referred on to have a follow-up test wherever they want, Uh, and many times they do come to us. And there can be other medical underlying things, you know, fluid and things like that early on in a child's life, but we retest them often to make sure that that is the case, or they might be referred to a pediatric ear, nose, and throat doctor, something like that. But if, if they are identified as a child with hearing loss, we're able to either fit them with hearing aids. And and really what we do is try and educate parents about their options. We don't really advocate for one route. And that's sort of what connects with me because my sister and my family, uh, we grew up in the 80s in a, a different part of the country. And so cochlear implants were not very pushed and you do have to be a candidate for that. But my family, they t- tried speech and different hearing aids with my sister, but sign language ended up being the best route for mm-hmm. her. And so that's her path that she's gone on. Um, but I see parents every day that don't want their child to sign. Maybe they want them, they want to give them their best chance at a mainstream life, mainstream school, mainstream classroom. And so they'll choose hearing aids if, if hearing aids amplify enough for the child to hear. Or if they're a candidate for a cochlear implant, they want to go that route. So our audiologists can fit them with hearing aids or refer them. Unfortunately, Chattanooga doesn't have a surgeon yet that does cochlear implants. So they'll usually be referred to Vanderbilt or Knoxville or Birmingham or Atlanta. And after that, they can come back to us for the services. So either with a hearing aid or with a cochlear implant, they're able to come for auditory verbal therapy. So we're starting, you know, zero to three years old is the window that we really shoot for. And once they're diagnosed, they can learn to use their device. So the auditory verbal therapy, we're one of the only, we are the only um, certified program in Chattanooga. So there really isn't anywhere else between here in Knoxville, Nashville, Birmingham, or Atlanta. And our auditory verbal therapist will teach them how to listen by using their hearing aid or using their any kind of device, cochlear implant, FM system. They have to teach the brain what these sounds are and how to understand them. And then we're able to teach them how to make sounds, duplicate sounds, help them with language and some comprehension. And that has a huge focus with parents. So it's a parent-focused class. The, the therapist is working with the parent and the child is in there, but they're really trying to model after uh, the parent is learning to model these behaviors so that in at home, at school, they're constantly um, provoking this child to think um, in terms of listening and sounds. Oh, very nice. And so, yeah, the, you're intervening quite a young age, providing them many options, things for parents to think about right. how to treat their their young newborn. Um, and, and then what if they, as they develop older, they're now two, three, four years old, they're beginning to go into mainstream society. Are you able to provide them tools and learning opportunities to adjust accordingly? Yeah, I mean, we do see children older than three years old. Ideally, you catch it early. Mm -hmm. The pathways are being formed. And this is something that we talk about a lot because I I just had a baby and I did not know just how quickly they learn and their brains are forming. But those pathways and connections between your brain and sounds are being formed 
out of the womb or even really in the womb, I'm mm -hmm. sure. And so getting them early and teaching them those sounds so you're not losing that time is crucial. But of course, there are several cases where for whatever reason, the some parents don't see the signs. And so we talk a lot. We do a lot of information about these are the signs. This is developmentally where your child should be. This is what they should be uh, responding to sound-wise yeah. and verbally. Um, but if we miss it or if a doctor misses it, pediatrician or a parent or for whatever reason, if it's a later onset, uh, there are services. Getting them into a speech therapy or getting them some ampl amplification if they do have hearing loss, if they have a communication disorder, which is super common, any kinds of speech, articulation, all those, those are super common too. So yeah. um, we see children all the way up to 18 years old. Wow, that's so much to think about and so many layers to this story of how you're helping children. Uh, but you're, you're starting at an early age. You've got many options and programs for uh, the parents as well as the kids. Uh, so you, are you like a private doctor's office in that sense where people come with you uh, at recommendation of another place? Yeah. Um, essentially, we are a doctor's office. We have an audiologist. We have five speech-language pathologists, and they are just as experienced and um, credentialed as anybody else in town or in any other city. But we do operate a little bit differently because we offer services for the people in town that can't afford it, whether they don't have insurance or their insurance doesn't cover it. There are several insurance companies, almost all now, that if it's a developmental speech issue, speech will not be covered. And so we try and offer a lower rate that's out of pocket for people that can't afford it. We have a sliding fee discount for people who um, qualify based on their income. And so because of that, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. We have some subsidies. We get some grants to help us offer those services to people. So we don't operate for the nonprofit sector in the same way. I see. No, that makes sense for sure. Um, and uh, what's your location here in Chattanooga again? What, what's that address? We're on a 600 North Holtz Claw okay. on the second floor there. And it's a great building. We've been there for so long, and we just really have our, our run of it. Yeah. <laughs> so. so for you local Chattanoogans, that's where they're located. We're speaking with Erica Newman. She is the CEO of the Speech and Hearing Center. Uh, I'd like to talk to you a little bit now about hearing aids, uh, if sure. that's an option for people. But there's a lot of to think about when it comes to them, you know, affordability, you know, effectiveness. Uh, from your perspective, what are some of the guidance you may give uh, someone who's looking into hearing aids? Well, hearing aids are sort of a hot topic. The baby boomers were right in the middle of the baby boomers turning 65. And so there's a lot of advertising. And I get asked a lot on, what do I do? If, if I feel like I'm starting to have hearing loss, where do I start? I'm bombarded with ads in the newspaper and on TV and on the radio. How do I choose? And what I tell people is, of course, come to us. But yeah. other than that, um, start with an audiologist. There are places... Go that see a professional. See a professional doctor. Yeah. They are trained to test you, and they're not trained to sell you a device. So they're looking for what kind of hearing loss you have, what fits your day-to-day -day requirements. And so that's what's easier. And, and we do have all the high-tech digital hearing aids. Mm -hmm. In fact, I wore one the other day to show off that connects with your iPhone. And essentially, when you have hearing loss, there are different environments. And so rather than having to manually change different settings yeah. because you're in a different sound environment, right. there are hearing aids now that do it automatically. But the one I was wearing is our top-of-the-line Halo, and it does it based on your GPS location. Mm -hmm. So if you're here at the Business um, Development Center and you're going to a Chamber of Commerce luncheon, you know that there are going to be about 30 people or more in there, and it's going to have a lot of background noise. Yes, so you, you turn it down. 
your settings are sort of adjusted based on yes. background noise and the acoustics. Well, if you're going to the movies, that's a whole different setting. But your phone, if you're frequenting these locations often, your phone recognizes based on your GPS location and adjusts your hearing aid for you. So it's very seamless and natural and you don't have to think about it. And it's almost as if you know your hearing is naturally adjusting like your mm-hmm. our mind might. Yeah, that's fantastic. I could see a, a younger person doing that, but uh, <laughs> a, a, an older seasoned individual probably doesn't have a smartphone and you would be uh, the most technology technologically advanced hearing aid. You would be surprised. Well, there are, I wish I had the stats right on me, but there is um, a pretty, and 45 plus, there's a high occurrence of hearing loss. And so... 45 years of age or older. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a senior citizen. You don't have to be, no. There are several people, of course, that that have early onset of hearing loss. But of course, yeah, we are talking probably, say, 55 plus. But you would be surprised that population does, um, they use smartphones. More than I, I no, thought. Yeah, I had I no idea. Cool. From your perspective, which goes first in the senior citizens? Is it the eyes or the ears? I don't have any background in no, the eyes. No. Uh, I think that the ears are something maybe more noticeable to other people. And that's why it's a little bit more talked about. Okay. Families. And, and that's funny you say that because that's one of our challenges. There are so many resources out there for hearing loss. There are amazing, there's amazing advancement in technology. We have hearing loss, um, hearing aid programs that can reduce the cost sometimes. There are some insurances Mm -hmm. that will help with the cost. We have this great audiologist, but the demand for hearing aids isn't great because a lot of people don't want to wear hearing aids. There's the stigma of what they look like. Um, that they ring, that they uh, cause an headaches, that right. they don't fit right, they're uncomfortable. And a lot of times we see that from places that may not have an audiologist. And so they'll end up coming to us if we're lucky and saying, I really want to hear and I want hearing aids, but these are uncomfortable and they don't fit or they don't work. But then there's the whole other side, which are people who don't want to get hearing aids. Right. And the reason that this is my personal opinion, I think the hearing loss is so gradual in most people that they don't see it in themselves. Their spouses see it. Their family see it. They're gradually having to turn up the TV louder. They're gradually having to ask more questions, especially in a social setting when there's a lot of background noise at the movies. You know, they, But they become so accustomed to these adjustments that they just don't know how bad it's gotten. Yeah. So any advice on how to have that conversation with your aging parent, perhaps, that, you know, it's time to have them go checked out. But like you said, they may be a little standoffish and and, and hesitant to go get that hearing aid. Um, How should we approach that? I have counseled many wives, (laughs) specifically, and children of parents that have uh, uh, symptoms of hearing loss, seemingly. And typically, I just ask, suggest them, just, why don't we just test it? You know, it seems like you may not be hearing as much. And it's funny because I have this in some of my family members. Mm -hmm. It's a sensitive subject. It really is. It can be personal and and sensitive and it's a sign of aging and we don't want to face that. So, right. And it's so hard to be on the other side because it's such an easy fix. And people, I was speaking to a woman the other day who said, I didn't know how bad it had gotten. I was upstairs boiling eggs and I thought somebody was trying to break into my house because I kept hearing this popping and it was the water boiling. (laughs) And she just had such a little amount of hearing loss and these kinds of things were missing from her life, birds chirping, things like that. So when I counsel people, I usually say, why don't you just suggest, let's, you know, just as a prevention, like, you know, you get your eyes checked all the time. Mm -hmm. Why not check your hearing? Once a year, you should, That's fine, yes. Uh, And a lot of the doctors will, especially in seniors, primary care doctors will ask, but we also like to suggest very delicately sort of the implications of not getting it tested. Um, Seniors who don't have hearing aids 
or have hearing loss and don't have any treatment for it are more at risk for falls. And they're actually more at risk for for, um, the process of dementia sort of deteriorating. Yeah, so it leads, it's uh, symptoms of other possible uh, of of not so good scenarios as well. So we want to treat it, have it addressed uh, properly and, 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 you know, politely, of course. Um, and then knowing that if you're here in Chattanooga, a place like the Speech and Hearing Center can provide you with those resources to not only treat it, but to also help educate and uh, uh, you as well as the family members. So that's part of this community that I see here a lot in Chattanooga is everybody coming together, not only to help each other in the business sense, but it sounds like from your perspective, you're helping people you know, in their health. Uh, how, how does that uh, resonate with you? And what are your thoughts here on Chattanooga and, and the culture and the business and the people here? Well, what we do, and, it, and it's interesting that you mentioned this, when people do buy hearing aids with us, if their insurance pays or, or they have the ability to pay, that money goes back into our services. And that's lets us help other people who can afford it. Mm-hmm. So the response to that is great because it's such a unique service. Many of the other places are corporate companies. Yes. And there is a philanthropic vibe in Chattanooga, even if it's somewhere rural or families that don't have the resources that somebody in a more high-income neighborhood would. I've lived a lot of places in the country, and there is something about Chattanooga where people, it might sound cheesy, but it really is more of a community feel. People do want to help more. And so we get a great response whenever I speak to civic groups or at the Chamber of Commerce, to senior groups, anywhere. Everybody is just really excited to know that something something like us does exist yeah. because it, we started so long ago and I think not everybody has survived. There were speech and hearing centers across the country and now there are probably 25 left. And so um, being able to still offer services and help the community is is a privilege. Yeah, and you should be proud of all the good work you're doing. What are some of those programs that you do over there to help the disadvantaged uh, with some of these other, uh, you know hearing losses or hearing needs? Well, the sliding fee discount is one of our programs that we do. So if a parent comes in and they have a certain income level and their insurance either won't cover it or they can't afford an, uh, the full out-of-pocket rate, we have a discounted service for them. So based on their income, there's a, sli- a slide on how much they would pay. That's one program, and that's what we're offering all the time. And we are a United Way agency, so we get funding specifically for children for things like that. Um, for hearing aids, I was able to get a grant this year, which doesn't happen every year, and the money does go quickly because you have the cost of hearing aids. But we are, the Weldon Osborne Foundation provided a small grant, and so people can come to us and based on their income, there again have assistance with hearing aids, nice. and so we can bring that down quite a bit. So hearing aids, all of we're working on a support group for parents of children with Good. hearing loss. All kinds of things like that, but it, it pretty much comes down to the cost of services and the cost of devices. That's what is most prohibitive to people getting the care that they need. And yeah. so that's what we've been doing for years and years, right. and that's what we're continuing to do. Right, and the early intervention as well. Uh, yes. Right, very, very good to, to identify those children who need hearing help at a very early age so we can put them on a path to uh, to preventing it being uh, as bad as it could be. Yes, and, and hearing is a big part of it, but speech is another uh, anybody, any child, and we're always handing out the um, American Speech and Hearing Association handouts for development. So parents really are on on base with what is, it doesn't have to be exact to the month, but you want to know what's, what's really not normal in terms of behavior and things that should be developing. So we use those a lot, but language development is really what we're into. If you are not catching a child that has 
some kind of language deficiency, that can affect their school readiness. And that's a huge push, especially we're talking about the community. The United Way is one of their biggest focuses right now is making sure the children are school ready and they're also going to succeed in school. And we're a major supporter of that because we're helping these children get ready for school. And it doesn't have to be a child with hearing loss. It could be my son who's one. He might start in the next two or three years not being able to pronounce certain sounds or not being able to comprehend certain language ideas. And so getting them early and correcting those early can help them be ready for school. Do you find you're hypersensitive when it comes to your son and kind of uh, how he's developing and you're looking for those little cues that, that you see every day probably and you're, you're out of work? Yes and no. Right. Uh, I'm learning so much more and it helps me in this setting because I'm living it. And there are so many providers that have studied this and people who I work with that have been doing this for so long that they just know. But since I was newer to working in this environment and not just the hearing loss um, side of things like with my family, I definitely pick up on things and I get more excited when I see him making certain advances. And I'm trying to teach him sign language on top of it, which is very difficult. So I get a lot of advice on how to do that and encourage him to speak. Well, yeah, more power to you. <laughs> Wish you. you much success with that and raising a little youngster there. We're talking with Eric, Erica Newman. She is CEO of the Speech and Hearing Center. Look on, looking back on 2015 for you and just, you know, uh, being hired, I think, was probably a big highlight uh, <laughs> at the Speech Center. And wh what are some other things that you uh, really resonated with you uh, through the past year? Well, we this was the first full year of having a Spanish language speech pathologist. Okay. And we've just been seeing a lot of research on the side of the government really saying that uh, there's a huge percentage of children by the third grade that will be Hispanic. And so offering those services, although the children are in the school system and, mm -hmm. and speaking English, sometimes English is a second language, and they really are at risk. They fall in this gap. Their parents may not speak English. They're having to speak Spanish at home, English in the schools, and if they have any kind of language delay, they are extremely at risk. And so this is really the first time that we've been able to long-term offer any age Spanish-speaking language services. And so we've been doing a lot of awareness and working with uh, Clinica Medicos, which is a Spanish-speaking clinic in town that's opened in the past years. So that was something pretty new for 2015. The auditory verbal therapy program, uh, having somebody that's certified and offering this for this length of time and continuing. We're applying for grants all the time, trying to grow that program and offer more children and more families those services. Continuing, of course, with the hearing aid um, awareness. And we do partner with uh, Sertoma, which is a local civic group, and they put on an event every year. It's called Wine and Shine, and we're one of the recipients. And so that's just getting the word out to the community on how important it is to... Um, get diagnosed early. Yeah. They focus mostly on children, but also for adults. Oh, good. So, and and the, the, the biggest accomplishment for me in my short few months really was uh, our first awareness campaign. And we are going to be doing some campaigning. And that was an event we called where are they now? Sort of like the VH1 1980s theme. Okay. <laughs> and, and it really came to me because I would be out in the community and talking to these parents or children of parents that came to us. And they would say, oh, you know, my child was there in the 1980s. And like I said, now he's a doctor or now he's in medical yeah. school or now he's a teacher or she's a teacher. And so I just thought this would be so cool to show the people who have come to us and how successful they are and how much we've helped them. And so we had several firsthand stories. We had 
a lunch and learn awareness campaign for people in the community to come learn our services, but also see firsthand. And we had um, a child who's about to graduate from our, our program that had a cochlear implant and she was very far behind in reading. And now she's above her grade level for reading after an implant in our therapy. We helped a man get hearing aids who promised his son that he would finish his GED and he's 65 years old. And when he went back, he couldn't hear. And so we helped him get hearing aids, affordable hearing aids. Now he has all A's and B's in the GED (laughs) program. So just that awareness campaign uh, was really a first for us, and we're going to be continuing those through 2016. Yeah, let's let's talk about 2016. We're looking forward. What are some other events or campaigns or programs that you're uh, looking forward to implement? We're continuing to expand the auditory verbal therapy program, and we work with a lot of the preschools as part of our early intervention. We go and offer on-site speech and hearing screenings from Head Start in the North Georgia area through United Way to other preschool and um, early childhood programs. So we're going to continue with that. We partner with senior facilities, independent living, assisted living, offering services to them and educating the families there. Uh, We're going to have more awareness campaigns. We're going to be hosting more of the lunch and learns and where are they now? Because there are are so many success stories that that's what people are interested in hearing. You could do like YouTube videos of the people (laughs) like before and after and and now look at them now because they went through the uh, the speech and learning center over there so or hearing center. So Mm -hmm. you make sure... Uh, you get uh, connect on the website. People can find these events or programs on the website. Our Facebook is the best place to Facebook find Facebook.com uh, slash the Speech Hearing Center uh, dash 247503. I don't <laughs> really know. Really easy to remember. Just Google the Speech and Hearing Center or our right, website is right. speechhearing.com. That's right. And you can learn more about Erica. You can learn more about the Speech and Hear- Hearing Center and the events and the people. Uh, but what else can the community do to help support the mission over there? Are you looking for volunteers or more opportunities to, to donation? What else can the community do to help out? There are so many things. We do have a volunteer board, and we're a bit selective because we like to have people that have uh, some kind of emotional connection to the cause. So whether it's hearing loss or language um, challenges, but we do have a volunteer board, and so we're always taking applications for that. And They have a lot of say in our programming, and also we are focusing more on fundraising in the next year. So, yes, donations are always welcome. You can do that on our website. And volunteers are a little bit different because we are a health organization. Right. So with the health information protection, uh, we can take some volunteers. They usually have to go through some training and Mm -hmm. and health information, um, protecting those policies and things like that. But we're doing a lot of events in the community. So volunteers for that are great. Definitely. Uh, and advocacy, that's our biggest, um, really our biggest channel for success is being aware of the people around you that have these communication or hearing issues and just knowing the implica- implications of not getting it treated and if really caring for somebody. And, and like we've talked about, in a respectful manner, in a sensitive manner, mm-hmm. suggesting services or just suggesting that they talk to us. Our audiologist is always answering emails and you know, you're not always having to come in and and spend a lot of money on services. It's really what's important to us is just the awareness. And so spreading that awareness and the advocacy is what's most valuable to us. There you heard it first, uh, straight from Erica's mouth there, uh, what they need over there at the Speech and Hearing Center. So if you're out there wanting to get involved and uh, and want to further their mission and their cause, you can do so. And we encourage you to go to the website, uh, Speech 
hearing.com. Two H's. Yeah, two H's. <laughs> um, you can also connect with them on the Facebook group, um, or you can go down there to their location and hang out in the office and uh, and see what's going on down there. And they are involved with speech and hearing from birth uh, until later in life. And if you know anyone in between who needs that help, please uh, push them forward and, and tell them about speech, hearing, Com, the Speech and Hearing Center with Erica Newman, CEO. Thank you so much for joining us today on Chattanooga Business Radio. Thanks um, for me. My pleasure. And so when you're not out there helping people with speech and hearing, what do you like to do in your off time? What are some of the things here in Chattanooga that, uh, that people could find you? Oh, my goodness. I like to eat at all the new restaurants. Okay. My husband and I are, are big eaters. Foodies. <laughs> sort of a foodie. I'm not yeah. snobby at all, so I'll go anywhere. <laughs> okay. Um, just like to eat and take our son out to just experience. Uh, he, my, my husband is a very big mountain biker, so oh. he's trying to nurture that with my one-year-old son who yes. just started walking. Yeah. So I sort of observe. Um, I love to cook and socialize. I do a lot of networking, even on a personal side. I just love, Fun. there are so many people who move here from other places or who've been here that have interesting stories. So I'm just out. Usually if, if I'm out, you can find me talking to somebody. Excellent. Well, we thank you so much for taking the time. Again, if you can find Erica sitting still somewhere, it's probably at the Speech and Hearing Center um, or at a restaurant here in town with her her lovely family. So uh, thank you so much. And we look forward to hearing more great things from you in the Speech and Hearing Center in 2016. Thank you. If your company is out there doing something interesting to genuinely serve your market and your community, reach out to us directly on the contact page and pitch, pitch us your story at businessradiox.com. Thank you to Stone Payton and Lee Cantor. And on behalf of the entire Business Radio X network, I'm Ryan Redhawk McPherson. We will see you on the radio.